Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. series for the last seven or eight weeks just looking through this book, this letter. And we've been saying that this is Paul's most vociferous and almost violent letter. He's angry and he's really annoyed. And he writes this letter to a group of churches that he's planted and he's just really annoyed. And he's annoyed because they have experienced the most incredible freedom They've experienced life in God. And, uh, and then what's happening is that these guys who are all religious from Jerusalem have showed up. And they've started to say, Do you know, that, that life in God that you've received through Jesus is incredible, no doubt. But what you need to do is add to that freedom life a whole bunch of rules and regulations and ways of living life, which ultimately will suffocate the Jesus life out of you. And Paul is mad. He's so mad that he says uh, some really aggressive things throughout the book. He says, how dare you? How dare you have experienced the freedom that you can have in Jesus Christ and then start to live as if you don't have that freedom? The way in is grace and the way on has to be grace as well. You can't say the way in is grace and then the way on become a whole bunch of rules and regulations because you deny the fact that you came in by grace. And he writes all this stuff. He says, you can't do this thing. And then we're going to get to a portion of Scripture where he starts talking about what it means to have life in the Holy Spirit, what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit, what it means to have this kind of freedom. And I'd love to read you those verses. We, we did a dive into it last week. We're going to do a further dive into it this week. So Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Get your Bibles out. Let, me, let me tell you what's about to happen, by the way, just in case you're under any illusions. This we believe to be the living, active Word of God. And uh, when the Word of God is spoken, God speaks. And when God speaks, mountains move. When God speaks, situations change. When God speaks, freedom comes. When God speaks, people get transformed. So, so I'm, I'm not saying that I'm a great speaker, but I'm, a, I'm saying that this is an incredible word. So we're supposed to listen to the word of God, expecting that God's about to grab hold of our hearts and our lives. And you will not be the same because God's just spoken. Understood? Okay, four of you understand. The rest of you are a bit weirded out by all that stuff. Okay, God's about to speak. Here he goes. So I say... Paul's been talking about all this freedom stuff. So, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I'm not sure what the like are, but there you go, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. We, we know from your word that you're here, but we want to appropriate your presence for this moment and for our lives. Would you come? And would you speak truth to our hearts and lives? And would you change stuff? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's Father's Day. Eventually, at about five o'clock, I got two cards from four daughters. One of them had forged all the other daughters' signatures I think she'd done some kind of deal. I haven't had a present yet. I'm hoping for a big one. But I did go out for an incredible meal at lunchtime with some friends and some family, and it was brilliant. But I have a bit of a food problem. The food problem is that I'm a bit of a food leper. So what happens is that um, I get a bit ill if I eat the wrong kind of food. So about three years ago, I recognized that I was gluten intolerant, dairy intolerant, and I can't have garlic, which is a bit random, but that's just the detail of it. And I get really sick if I do. And what I've discovered is there are two different kinds of people when it comes to food intolerances. I know I'm probably going to get emails about this, so spare me. But here we go. There are the people who have food intolerances and love the free-from sections in the supermarket. Do you know those ones? The ones with all the gluten-free, dairy-free, wheat-free, everything-free section. They love that stuff. It's just fake food. You know, I've tried the stuff. If you like bread that tastes like sawdust, if you really like gloopy pasta, if you like fake milk of every kind, if you like, you know, whatever it is, you know, soya and rice and all that kind of stuff, it's just fake food. It's just not, and then there's the other group, which I might be in, who say it's just, you you can't, that stuff is not real stuff. That stuff is just pretend stuff. That stuff is all the right stuff without any of the flavor of the good stuff. It's just bad stuff. And so you have to live differently. So the way in which I've decided to live my life, or my wife has encouraged me to live my life, is to change the way I think. Change my whole attitude, change my philosophy, change my outlook. Eat different. Eat fresh. Eat salad. Eat, eat pulses and nuts and fruit and all that kind of stuff, non-processed stuff. And, and in a sense, Paul is saying the same stuff. You've had the most radical life change. You've come from darkness into light. You've come from bondage into freedom. You've come out of hell into the glory of God. Something incredible has happened in your life. Stop trying to fake the old life. Stop trying to live as if this stuff didn't happen to you. Stop the whole thing about coming in by grace and then living on by law. It doesn't work. It's not going to work. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Now live freedom. Live grace. You got free, he said. You got free from believing and living as if you were your own God. 
That's an incredible freedom. Do you know, I've, I've, I've never sat opposite anybody who said to me, actually, I'm God, and then tried to prove it to me. It'd be quite cool if they did. But, you know, I've never sat opposite anybody who said, actually, I'm God, and then did some kind of healing or levitate or do something like that. But I've sat opposite loads of people who seem to live the whole of their life as if they are God. They become the authority of their life. It's what they think. It's what they feel. It's, it's, it's how they're going to live, the basis of their life. Listen, guys, you make a miserable God. You make a totally miserable God. Every time you try and do wisdom, it's not so wise because the source of wisdom is God, not you. Every time you try and do purpose, it's not so purposeful because the source of purpose is God, not you. What's your answer to suffering if you're God? Where do you go? with this kind of stuff. You make a, a miserable God. And, and Paul says, I, you've been freed up from thinking you're God. And you've been freed up from religion. You've been freed up from living as if you have to appease God. Living as if somehow you have to do the right things to make God like you. No, no, no. You come in by grace. God loves you because he loves you because he loves you. He's done something about it already. You don't have to prove yourself to him. You don't have to, you know, you know, this looks like saying to God when you meet him face to face ultimately, which you will. I did good stuff. I turned up at church at Central. I listened to rants quite a lot from the preacher telling me that you should do this thing and do that. You know, I, 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 I did good things. I, I thought nice things. I didn't swear very much. I was generous to people and God says, great, you can come in. That's cool to my kingdom. That's not the way it works. And Paul says, you were freed up from thinking you're God. And you were freed up from this religion where you had to appease God. And you were freed up to live in a relationship with God. You've been safe from all that stuff. Why are you living as if that's true now? Why do you do church? Why do you do religion? Why do you do relationship with God as if all that stuff's not true? Why do you still live as if you're trying to appease God? Why do we still do church as if we're trying to appease God when we know we came in by Grace, we've been saved from all that. And then Paul begins to describe what we've been saved for. And he starts to describe the substance of that life as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And he deliberately sets the fruit of the Holy Spirit in opposition with what he calls the acts or the works of the sinful nature. And what he seems to be suggesting is the moment you came by grace into a relationship with God through Jesus, the Holy Spirit came into your life to give you the life of God. And when he came into your life, what he began to do was to sow seeds in your life, which was supposed to grow into fruit, which is supposed to look like Jesus. So when the Holy Spirit came into your life, what he began to do was sow seeds. And he sowed a seed of love, and he sowed a seed of joy, and he sowed a seed of peace with God. And he sowed a seed of patience, and he sowed a seed of, of gentleness and compassion, which is the life of Jesus. And he sowed these seeds into your life, and what his ambition is, is that those things would grow to fruition and become incredible fruit in your life, so that you would look more like Jesus. That's what he's trying to do with you. So it's not just what you've been saved from, it's what you're saved for and to the life of God in you, a fruitful life that bears abundance. He says, this love is otherworldly love. It's, it's agape love. It's not transactional love. It's self-giving 
love, that you would love God more and that you would love people more and that love would just flow out of your life. This, this joy, it's not something that gets kind of worked up. I got the joy of the Lord. It's, it's, it's something that just flows out of you. It's the inner grin of God that pours out of your life. This peace, it's peace with God, but it's peace with other people. And it's not because you feng shuied, and it's not because you listened to whale music or you had a vacation on a beach somewhere. It's because you were full of the peace of the Lord Jesus, and it just flew, flowed out of your life as an overflow of the abundance of God. Patience. In, in a world where everything needs to be immediate and needs to happen yesterday and you need it right now, and if you're out of connection and you have no Wi-Fi, you're mad if you have no Wi-Fi and you can't contact I live in the country. We're mad because you've got no Wi-Fi. In, in, in that kind of world, it's, it's the patience that says God is working his purposes out in his time and his way, and I'm going to wait for his purposes. It's gentleness, it's kindness, it's goodness, all of which sound like really weak words in our generation. But when they're seen and applied in the life of Jesus, you recognize the utter strength of those words and the way they build relationship. It's faithfulness and it's self-control. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that kind of fruit in your life? Can you imagine that kind of abundance in your life? So your, your life is so full of that. Can you imagine how countercultural that, that is for everybody? Can you imagine that kind of fruit through your life, not just in your life, for everybody around your life, touching every community that you're involved in? People are looking at you and going, oh, my word, that guy loves so well. Oh, my goodness me, that guy seems to be at peace even in the storms of life when things are hitting him everywhere. That guy seems to have a peace that is otherworldly. Yes, it is otherworldly because it's the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit that he sowed that seed in your life and you allowed it to grow. You allowed it to grow. So here's the question. Why? Why? If, if there was a moment when I became a follower of Jesus and he gave me his Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit filled me, and his Holy Spirit started to put seeds into my life. Why is there not an orchard? Why, why is my life not an orchard? Why, when you meet me, do you not go, oh my goodness me? Look at the peace. <laughs> Look at the self-control in Carl. Why, why, why is that not ever? Let me, tell you, let me tell you why from the passage. Because it seems to me that we're at war. According to the passage, we, we're at war. That inside every single person, if they're a believer in Jesus Christ, there is a war. A war going on between what the scriptures call the spirit and the flesh. Now, I know the flesh sounds very old school and religious, but stay with me for, for a moment. The spirit and the flesh are fighting in your life for control. Let me explain this. Say there's a continuum here. The moment that you discovered for the first time that you couldn't do life on your own, and that there was this God responder mechanism in your life that was calling you to a relationship with God, that moment when you discovered that thing, you were totally fleshy. 
It was just about you and you were controlling your decisions and you were trying to make fake fruit and you were trying to make fake love and it was, it was all about you. But that moment, God came into your life by the Holy Spirit and started to sow these seeds. There is going to come a moment way over here on the continuum where fruit of the Holy Spirit will be all there is. There'll be no flesh. It'll be all spirit. You'll be totally self-controlled. You'll be totally full of love. You'll be totally full of patience. Now, let me tell you this. That's coming no time soon. This is glory. You know, this is total glory. It's not coming tomorrow. This is what's going to happen. But in between this moment and this moment, there's a constant skirmish. and There's a constant war from the flesh saying, come back, take control. From the spirit saying, no, no, freedom is this way. And the flesh is going, no, freedom is this way. Freedom is you taking control. And the spirit says, no, 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 no. Freedom is you getting out of your control and into the control of the Holy Spirit. Because freedom is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So there's constantly this battle and this conflict and this skirmish and Paul says this walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh that's just a huge verse walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature if you walk by the spirit then the battle will be won If you learn to walk by the Spirit, then the stuff that you do that you don't want to do, you will stop doing. Now, this is really important because Paul says there's a secret here, which we should have got a long time ago, but we perhaps haven't been taught it. So here it is. This will bring you freedom. He says the secret is you need to live by the Spirit. The way to not give ground to the sinful nature is not by trying to not give ground to the sinful nature. There's a lot of knots in there. Let me say it again. The way to not give ground to the sinful nature is to not try to keep not giving ground to the sinful nature. In other words, stop facing this direction, saying, I've got to fight against that fleshy thought. I've got to fight against that sinful thought. Here a devil, there a devil, everywhere a devil, devil. I've got to stop singing. I can't do this, and I mustn't do that, and I mustn't do the third thing. And the whole time, you're spending your life reflecting on the things that you used to do, the things that you don't want to do anymore, and forgetting about the fact that the Holy Spirit is saying, freedom's this way. Freedom is found... When you begin to focus your life and commit your life and surrender your life to the Holy Spirit who's wanting to grow fruit in your life, you get to live by the Spirit. That's the good news. And when you live by the Spirit, something incredible happens. Fruit comes. And when fruit comes and begins to grow, there is no space for flesh. When fruit comes and begins to grow, there is no space for the flesh. It's like trying not to get fat. Stay with me for just a moment before you switch off. I, I know people, and you probably know them too, maybe you are one, who are in a constant war with the temptation not to eat certain foods. There are certain points you get for not having chocolate, uh, there, there are certain uh, calories that you count the whole time, and the biscuits that you say, not for me, thank you very much, and you run past the confectionery aisle, and you drink no carbonated drinks, and you become obsessed with numbers, the things that you're not doing. And you know what happens? You're so committed not to getting fat that you get fat because you're obsessed with the food that you shouldn't eat. And you think about it, am I, am I right? 
four or five people think, oh, you know, you're obsessed with the stuff that you shouldn't have and you shouldn't do, and you're not focusing on the life that you should lead. And you know what happens? That kind of behavior produces the opposite effect. Paul says you're not supposed to live according to the flesh. You're not supposed to focus on the flesh. You're not to spend your time focusing on the flesh. The way to live the Christian life in a healthy style is not by trying not to sin. It'll kill you. It'll kill everyone else around you who will get upset by the shrapnel of your trying not to sin lives. Because you will lapse and you will fall and everywhere there will be guilt. The, the way to live the Christian life is not trying to live the Christian life on a performance-based basis. We can't, we can't stand up here and sing songs on Sunday about transcendent grace and then live lives on Monday about persistent law and think that we're doing a good thing. You know what happens? We just become dreadful ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We become dreadful witnesses to who God is and what God is trying to do. Because people out there are desperate for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? Everyone out there is desperate for the fruit of the Holy Spirit because they're hardwired for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because God created them with this God-responder mechanism that is desperate for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. They've just been conned into living for fake fruit. So out there, they're desperate for fruit. And, and they don't know, they're lost, and they're struggling, and they're, they're looking for wisdom, and they're looking for purpose, and they're looking for life, and they're just looking in all the wrong places. And we have the answers, and we have the hope, and we have the future in our lives and in our hands. And when people look at us, they just see a guilt-ridden, shame-driven bunch of people who are desperately looking at sin the whole time, and worrying about sin the whole time, and singing songs about sin the whole time. And they're thinking, we are less shame-driven, we are less guilt-ridden, and we have more fun than you. Paul says, hey, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And if you ask, I will water that seed. And if you make space, I will nourish that seed. And if you stop focusing on that stuff and start focusing on God's stuff, then this stuff is going to grow in you and it's going to produce a harvest which is going to change your life and it's going to change people's lives all around you. But what the enemy has done is he's got you focused on all the stuff that you used to do and all the stuff that you don't want to do. And it's not stopped, it stopped you focusing on who you could be in God. And it's killing us. Guys, you can't grow the fruit because you didn't sow the seed. He can because he did. You, you, you can't employ the processes of the flesh to gain the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's really good. That'll tweet, by the way. You can't employ the processes of the flesh <coughs> I'm going to get more joy. I'm going to get more peace in my life. I'm going to have more love. I'm going to fight for it, and I'm going to make it happen to get the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You just have to put your roots deep into the one that loves you, the one that saved you, the one that waters the seed. Say, God, would you come and do your thing? Because I don't want to live by the flesh anymore. I want to live by the Spirit. I want freedom I want to live grace. I want that to pour out of my life. I want this fruit. And guys, listen, 
I'm going to have to wrap this up. You can't pick and choose fruit. Which is a shame, really, isn't it? Because we'd all like to do that. Personally, I'd quite like love. I like a lot of love. I love peace. You know, I have a large family. I like peace. Joy would be really good. But patience, not so much. And self-control, not at all. Really? Quite happy to have some of them. Not happy to have others. But it's interesting, isn't it? It's called the fruit singular of the Holy Spirit. One fruit, nine characteristics. God, I'm, I'm all in. I want the Holy Spirit. I want more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit through my life, so I'm all in for all of it. I need more love, joy, peace, but I need more patience in my life. I can't get more patience because I'm not naturally a patient person, but the Holy Spirit is naturally a patient spirit. It's just going to give me the patience of God in my life. I want to live by the Spirit. So look, walk by the Spirit, verse 16. Led by the Spirit, verse 18. Live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit, verse 25. So, so let's land the plane. Here's the big question. How do you do that? How do you, how do you live by the Spirit of God? I mean, if, if, if we're not facing this way, we're facing this way, and we're saying, God, would you, would you bring your fruit in my life because I want my life so rammed full of your fruit that it's not full of the flesh. How do you, how do you even begin to live in that way? Let me tell you about my garden. You'll know in about two minutes that I'm not a gardener, but I have a big garden. And uh, we, we now have a big garden, and we have someone who helps us with the garden because, honestly, we couldn't possibly do the garden stuff. But Nikki is really quite skilled, and she loves the garden, so Greg and Nikki work really hard in the garden. I work hard in the garden occasionally when there's something that takes no skill to do. You know, chop, chop, chop. Or snip, snip. Now, that's the kind of thing. I'm quite good at that. I don't mind being brutal in the garden, but I'm no skill at all. And so uh, they work hard in the garden, but neither Greg or Nikki grow anything. Which isn't a reflection on how good they are as gardeners. I'm sure they're great. But they grow nothing. They water stuff. They pull stuff out. They chop stuff back. They prepare soil. But they grow nothing. You can't grow a seed. You can't grow it by looking at it. You can't grow it even by watering it. Whether a seed grows or not is not dependent upon you. You can do things to hinder it and hurt it, but you can't make it happen. You can't grow a harvest. The only thing that you can do is prepare an environment in which seed can grow. That's the only thing you can do. The only thing you can do is to clear ground. The only thing you can do is to make sure that water comes. The only thing you can do is pray hard that the rain stops. The, the only thing that you can do is to create an environment where seed has a chance to propagate and grow and cultivate and fruit might come. The only thing you can do is say, come, Holy Spirit, would you reveal areas in my life where I'm taking control? And would you loosen my hands? Would you show me where I'm focusing on the flesh and not on the spirit? And would you turn me around? Would you help me let go of things? Because I can't hold on to all of you if I'm holding on to all of me and all of my stuff. Would you help me not be afraid of you, the Holy Spirit? Because, you know, I bet some of you there are thinking, of course I want the Holy Spirit. But I'm not sure I can trust because I've seen weirdy, weirdy, weirdy things done in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I have to say to you, of course, there'll be some things that happen when the Holy Spirit comes in power on your life that you won't be able to understand always because he's God, you're not. And sometimes some of the stuff that happens isn't even what God's doing. But here's the thing. The question I'm asking is this. 
Who and what is going to be the authority of your life? Who and what's going to be the authority of your life? Are you going to live your life standing the weight of your life on what you believe in your head at this current moment? Are you going to stand the weight of your life on what you feel at this appropriate moment? Because that will change tomorrow. Are you going to stand the authority of your, or the authority of your life, the weight of your life, on what everyone else is doing, what culture is, because that will change next month? Or, or on traditions, what everyone's always done, so that we always do the same thing in the same way? No, 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 no. You need to stand the weight of your life on the person of God, on his word and his spirit, what God is saying. And then are you going to create space for God to do his thing in your life? Are you going to create opportunities where if God doesn't show up, you fall flat on your face? Are you going to create opportunities where if God doesn't show up, you're going to look foolish and stupid, but, but, but actually I want to live in that space where I'm making room for the seed to grow and the spirit to come. The, the acts of the sinful nature, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and, and then love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness. Just stuffed, rammed full in your life, and overflowing through your life. That's living. That's not living. Being two yards free, talking about how you got free, and focusing on the things that you got free from. That's not living. That's misery. Saying, God, I don't know how to do it, and sometimes I'm going to make a mistake, and I'm a bit scared of what the Holy Spirit might do in my life, and making space for stuff that I don't even know what yet. But you know, I'm desperate to clear ground, to let go of stuff, because I want to walk in faith. I want to see love come in my life. I want to see peace. I want to see patience. I want to see the stuff of the Holy Spirit, not just in me, but through me, because I want to live. You know, Jesus' um, teaching on prayer in Luke's gospel in chapter 11. Incredible long section where he, he teaches his disciples how to pray. He says, um, when you pray, remember you pray to a father. And then he starts talking about what to pray. And then he tells a story about a guy who comes at midnight and knocks on the door. And you'll know the story. And in the story, he uses a phrase that most of you will know. He says, so ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And then, and then he does this commentary about what the Father is going to give you if you ask, seek, and knock. He says he's a good Father. And because he's a good Father, he maybe is not going to give you all the things that you actually ask for, but he is going to give you something better. If you ask him, he is going to give you the Holy Spirit. And when you ask him for the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to do some clearing and he's going to do some watering and he's going to do some growing and he's going to do some recalibration and he's going to turn some of you around so you're not facing this way all the time, saying I feel guilty and I, I know I've been forgiven but I keep poking that also. He's going to turn you around and say, I want you to face in the direction of love and joy and peace and patience. And I want you to be so committed to what God's doing that it flows through you, not just in you. Let's pray.
Paul says is that there is a completely different way of living. There is a completely different way of living. You can live according to the sinful nature, always skirmishing, always fighting, or you can live according to the Holy Spirit, always clearing, always growing, always risking, always flowing. And I think he lays that choice before us. How do you want to sow? How do you want to live? On what authority are you going to stand? So I'm going to pray for us. And if you would love to receive the Holy Spirit, all you need to do is ask him. That's according to Jesus. So it's pretty good authority. All you need to do is ask the Father. If you would love to receive, all you need to do right now is open your hands. That's a receiving position. When you're given a big gift on Father's Day, which I'm hoping for later, if you don't open your hands, you drop it. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord and giver of life, would you come? And would you fill your children afresh? Would you water the seed? Would you clear some ground? Would you loosen some hands? Would you change some hearts? Would you alter perspectives? And would you bring a viral epidemic of the fruit of the kingdom of God, which would transform communities and lives in us? So I pray for more love. I pray for more joy. I pray for the laughter of heaven. I pray for more peace. I pray for a, a sense of being able to stand in the storms of life. Some of you are going through what feels like hell right now. And what you need to know is the peace of God. I pray for the patience of God to wait and to hold and to wait with expectation. I pray for the character of Jesus, gentleness, kindness, And I pray for faithfulness. And I pray for self-control. For the things that we cannot do. The things that we cannot stop. The things that we keep on doing. Would you break their hold in the name of Jesus. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. More and more and more. Spirit.